Welcome to Homeschool Companion, your source for information, motivation, and inspiration. If you're part of the homeschool community or simply interested in learning more about home-based education, stay tuned. Together we'll examine the latest resources, learning styles, and teaching techniques. We'll speak with experts in the field to help you uncover every homeschool advantage. We'll also present suggestions on how to keep Christ in the curriculum as we explore fresh ways to teach and learn. Welcome, welcome. I'm Dr. Rose Gamblin, and I'm here alone today. But I thought, you know, a, a number of people have talked to me through the years and, uh, and more recently even on how to manage students. We've talked about managing the time, but how do you manage their behavior? And every parent's goal and every teacher's goal is to help that student become self-managing. We need to be able to control ourselves. And so I'm going to talk to you today about some of the strategies that I've used through the years that have worked for me. And they might even encourage you with some strategies that you have that you just weren't sure if they were appropriate or not. I think probably the first thing that I learned is that you can manage children and large groups of children only if you can manage yourself. You have to first be very self-managing in order to be a good role model for the students as you want to be self-managing. So if you have a bad temper and you have just uncontrollable anger, you need to figure that out first. Um, Number one, you have to manage yourself. Number two, the environment that you have placed your children in to learn, is it conducive? Is it very distracting? Is there a lot of things that they can look at? Is the radio on? Is the television on? How can you simplify that environment so they can really focus? And some students might have sensory processing disorders. So uh, going into any room that you've done something new to, give them a while to digest what it is in the room that's different and how they can interact with it before you do anything else. And the third thing probably is how you're going to inspire. How are you going to inspire your students to want to learn? And kind of goes back to number one, you want to want to learn yourself. And so if you have the attitude of we're on this journey together and it's a, an adventure, that becomes infectious. So number one, we manage ourselves. And number two, we look at the environment in which we're hoping the learning to take place. And number three, we want to inspire. We want to inspire curiosity. And it can be as simple as, here is the book. What do you think we'll see and find new in this book that we didn't know before? Or it can be an item in a paper sack. What do you suppose is in this paper sack that we didn't know about before. And so these little things just help 
set the stage. Then the next thing is, what are our rules going to be? And I think we should encourage the buy-in of our children as to what are the rules going to be for our school, for our learning? What are the rules going to be? And I like to have them take a piece of poster paper and they have on one side my name and on the other side their name and they write what they'd how they'd like me to behave and they write about what how they're going to behave then so they decorate the poster and it's it's a great reminder of how we're going to conduct ourselves during our learning time set your learning time different from your family time Okay, so we're managing ourselves and we're looking at the environment that we want the learning to take place in and we are being enthusiastic about the learning that's going to take place and now we've actually developed a contract on this poster board of how they want me, the adult, to act and how they're going to act and then review them video the posters put it somewhere where you'll never lose it where you can refer back to it and after that then you can start talking about but what if we are unkind what if we don't do our schoolwork what if we hit johnny during our learning time. See how you've kind of separated how you're going to conduct yourself during during your learning time and how you conduct yourselves during family time. It's nice when it spills over, let me tell you. I have many families that say, oh, I wish my child could behave like that at home. Or, oh, when my child comes to your school, it's like if they walk through a archway and they become a totally different person. How do you do that? Well, I'm sharing with you all of the things that I do. Another thing is to have a device for consequences of not following the rules during the learning time. And you can, from their contracts, have just two or three very simple rules. We will follow the directions first time given. We will be kind or we will be respectful. And when you say respectful, that goes, it's very broad. We're not going to throw our books around. We are going to keep our materials ready and in a specific place for learning. And we're gonna be prepared. And another device that I do is I myself will change personas. And so when I'm teaching one class, I might be Dr. Gamblin. When I'm teaching another class, I become Miss Tulip. And that kind of thing. It just, it adds humor because don't we remember better when something is funny? So... Don't hesitate to add a little spice into your presentations or how you want how how you do your learning because that 
creates curiosity and fun, and we want learning to be enjoyable. I believe God wanted our learning to be enjoyable. So we're managing ourselves, we're managing our learning environment, we're creating inspiration and fostering curiosity among our children. We have developed a contract and we, from that contract, we've extrapolated some very simple rules. And now how are we going to enforce that rule? Now, hopefully none of you have experienced this, but there might be some of you that have said, you are naughty, now you go to timeout. And the child said, I'm not going to go to timeout. You can't make me. And, you know, then it turns into a ah, where you're going to make that child go into timeout. How do you avoid that? So you avoid those kinds of scenarios by, by putting into place and setting the stage. And we have gone through that again, you know, managing yourself, managing the learning environment, being enthusiastic about the learning that's going to take place. You can't fake it either. And then having this, the children come up with the social contract between you and them and extrapolating some very simple rules. And now we're down to how are we going to enforce those rules? I like to avoid negative enforcement as much as possible. I like more positive. So I developed something that I call my token economy. And it's interesting, you know, I had to do it for a college class way back in the 70s. And I still am using that. And now it's had, you know, research done on it. And yeah, it, it really does work. Because after all, we wouldn't ask adults to go to work and not get paid. So why do we ask children to go to their work, which is school, and not figure out some way of rewarding them, like paying them? So the token economy is just simply this. The token economy and a way of positively bringing consequences, negative and positive consequences, right into being with managing your students. And even if you're not homeschooling, parents aren't given a manual when they have a child. And so they learn a lot of things the hard way that what does work and what doesn't work. So I'm talking about establishing an environment where your children learn to manage themselves. Of course, first of all, we talked about manage yourself. You know, you need to manage yourself before you can teach others how to manage themselves. And then creating that environment where learning is conducive and understanding that children are very impacted by the environment. And the next, the third thing was fostering curiosity, inspiring your children by being enthusiastic about what you're going to be learning. And the fourth thing was having them make a poster board where they had your name on one side and their name. You know, it could be mom or dad and, and the, their name and what they wanted from you and what they wanted, 
what they were going to give. And this this little piece in Done in a Family is huge. Uh, for example, Mom, I want you to not yell at me if I don't get the problem right. That poster idea can really shed light into some things that might be affecting your students' learning. So don't leave that out. From that poster, we've extrapolated some some very simple, concise rules. And I recommend respect. You respect your siblings. You respect me. You respect the furniture, the books. And a lot of this can go without being said because your children already do it. But a lot of homeschooling families foster children So other children come in and go out. And it's good to have these things in place and create a culture of self-management. And so we are now to consequences. Now, I always just, it was just my own internal thing. I called it pop. It was my palette of possibilities. And it meant that I had on there lots of things, you know, that if they did some, if they were disrespectful to the furniture, the consequence might match that. But I also had in there all the positive rewards that were going. And with that came my token economy. And your token economy can be made up of whatever you want it to be made up. I've seen it made up of stickers and I've seen it made up of beans, different colored beans had different values. And when they got so many beans, then something good happened. Well, I currently use Monopoly money. I've run it off on different colors. And so once a month, we get to auction off junk. And I'm telling you, it's junk. It can be a piece of paper that someone drew a little picture on. I've seen broken toys and all kinds of junk go through auction. But the reward is that the kid gets to get up there and auction it off. And the other kids get to buy with their money, whatever it is in your family. But in ours, it's monopoly money. They get to buy stuff with it. And they love just the sheer auctioning. And they try to sound like an auctioneer too. Okay, what am I giving for this? Uh, I've got $20 here. Anybody give me 30? I've got 30. Anybody give me 40? I've got 40, 50, 60. Anybody give me 70? I've got, and they learn to count by tens. And so I like the money thing because I have fifth graders that still have a hard time counting money. They learn to count by fives and tens. And But you could use coins. You could use real money. You could do whatever you wanted to, but you just need to remember that you as an adult would not go out and work if you weren't going to get some benefit from it. Your children are asked to go to school and the benefit we just expect them to have, which is much more mature than what we have. It's even higher on Kohlberg's scale of moral development. We're asking them to go to school. That's their work for the satisfaction of a job well done. And I use that phrase a lot. I think we should 
do things for the satisfaction of a job well done. We know that is the highest level on Kohlberg's moral development scale. But that being said, no adult goes to work eight hours a day. Well, let me clarify that. Very few, maybe some independently wealthy people do. But most of us go to work to earn a living so we can feed our families and pay the mortgage and drive decent cars. There's a reason why we work. And there has to be a reason, though on a smaller scale and somewhat manufactured, for our students to go to their work every day and do the very best that they can do. And yes, we're pushing them to that high moral development where they're doing it for a satisfaction of a job well done. And some, some students naturally feel that way and we love them to pieces for it, but we need to be realistic. So if you have some type of system in place, and the beauty of having a system like this in place is let's say that Johnny lost his book, rather than scolding, berating, or whatever, there's simply a fine. Okay, you know, that will cost you $5 today, and it's a piece of pink paper or blue paper, whatever you ran the money off on, whatever color you ran it off on. Tomorrow it's going to be another $5 fine if you don't find it. So every day that you don't have your school stuff ready, it's a fine. No skin off my nose. I don't care. So you've taken that power away because you know when a child can make you angry, you've given them a lot of power and control over you as an adult, which is a dangerous spiral that often goes unchecked. We think if we get angry that we're motivating them, that that stop it, that, that that will extinguish the behavior, that they'll never do that again. But it actually is the opposite. So whatever device that you come up with for helping, because then with the money you can use it the opposite way too. Every, every day you get paid $20, but uh, that's your wage. So I'm only taking $5 away if for one subject you didn't have your stuff ready. So, you know, it's it's not, it doesn't hurt them. It doesn't hurt you. It's just, it's just how life is. If I go too fast down the road, I'm going to get a ticket. I'm not going to have a policeman yelling at me and screaming at me. I wish I was going to have a policeman yelling and screaming at me because I would feel happier. I would feel somewhat superior if a policeman just stopped me and yelled and ranted and raved and was all upset that I had exceeded the speed limit because I would be remain calm, cool, and collected. So I would feel somewhat superior. But I'm off the track. So uh, this, this consequences, this uh, palette of possibilities, both negative consequences, positive consequences. There is a thing called disequilibrium. And even even setting the stage with your children as you make your management plan will somewhat put them into disequilibrium because it's not what they're used to. 
And that's why parents need to not have the same consequences and the same positive reinforcement all of the time. There needs to be consistency, but then again, there needs to be that edge that you as the adult has where you say, look it, you haven't had your books in place for so many days now that really you have no more money left. That It's not good to get to that point. And so there needs to be other uh, other consequences, you know, like a loss of technology privileges or loss of cell phone or no TV. So those are the negative consequences. On the other hand, there needs to be, okay, I see that you haven't been able to have your materials ready for school when we're ready to start. So I'm going to put you on a special program. And the special program is called a behavior card. So I have this index card here and I folded it up so that there's eight creases on each side. And now uh, every class that you do have your stuff ready for, I'm going to put a I'm draw a star or I'm going to put a sticker in there. And when you get both sides filled, we're going to go down and we're going to have an ice cream that day, or we're going to go on a special family walk, or we're going to go visit grandma. You know how, see how that works. Now you took something that was beginning to be a very negative downhill type of thing And rather than escalating it to the point where now you're ready to kill a kid or ready to give them a whipping and you're just so mad at them, you can't wait till their father gets home. You've been able to stop that spiral and it puts the child into disequilibrium because they fully expected, they know you so well, they know what buttons to push. They fully expected that they were going to get you upset, but instead you did this and they really do want to go see grandma or they really do want to go to that family walk down to the creek or they really would like to get an ice cream. So the consistency is not in that you do the exact same thing every single time. The consistency is in that what you say you're going to do, you do. And the consistency in is that you always treat them with respect. And the consistency in is that you always model for them self-management. And the consistency in is that you respect their learning and that you're excited about what they're learning. See how that works? And I'm telling you, if you put half of this into place and start practicing it, or start with just one simple thing and then add to it, you will begin to really see your children blossoming into self-managing students. Our goal is to create and foster self-managing human beings. And I've run out of time, but thank you so much for listening to me. I have one last thing to say, and that is God bless.
You have been listening to Homeschool Companion, a production of MRG Media. Be sure to join us on Facebook. Just type in the name Homeschool Companion. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.